Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Champions League chasing Aston Villa every single week. Greg, I've never seen anything like it. I I did a show last night straight after the game and I found it really difficult because I just couldn't live with, in my head, what happened. I imagine it was even an even stranger experience being at the ground and and watching that, but what a privilege for you as well. Yeah, incredible really. Um, Although I am a little bit angry with myself because during the game, I I just found myself almost laughing every time Villa scored and I, I didn't really, I didn't really take it in and just embrace it and actually enjoy it. You know, I was just so shocked. Um, you know, gen- genuinely dazzled by it. It was just in- incredible, really. And um, w- when I'm thinking about it now, it kind of just it felt like the game just passed me by, and yeah, which feels really sad, really, because you know it was literally the best game that I've ever reported on. That you know the best game that one of the best games I've ever watched. You know, it was it was unbelievable. You know, as everybody who watched it, we you know will agree. Just just an incredible night. Yeah, I mean, my envy for you in the fact that you were there is absolutely. Unreal! I would have done anything to have been there and witnessed that unfold actually in the ground last night. It's, it's still so surreal that the fans aren't there, and this is a game like that is just tops off. I mean, can you imagine a full Villa Park with with all that going on last night? It would have been the best atmosphere I think there would have ever have been at Villa Park. It would have had to have been, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, it would have been. It would have been unbelievable. You know, I was. Uh, I have replayed that in my head. Think um, I've I've played that sort of scenario in my head. What it would have been like if um, if if the stands were full, and I was just thinking, I was I was trying to imagine what would it have been like when those goals were going in. I mean, would it have been pure ecstasy? Would it would the fans have been going absolutely crazy, or would it would they've just been absolutely ripping? the piss into Liverpool, do you know what I mean? Would they have been just taking the piss out of them? Because that's how it felt like the team, that the players were at the end. Um, you know, it, it literally felt like every time Villa attacked, they were going to score. Um, and t- to be a supporter in that scenario is amazing because, um, you know, especially against Liverpool, I mean, it's, it's Liverpool. It's not just like it's a, you know, another another sort of relegation threatened team or just a lower level Premier League team. It's Liverpool, the champions, you know, the champions, the the, the best team in the world in, in most people's eyes. Um, it's, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I felt... I felt really gutted for Villa fans that that they weren't able to be in in the ground and experience that. But um, it's just the way of the world at the moment, isn't it? You know, so many supporters are missing out. For a limited time only, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of Greg's writing on the Villa and so much more, including his article about the extraordinary 7-2 win over Liverpool, which he described as the greatest game he's ever seen. There's also plenty of exclusive deadline day content for you to enjoy too. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash villapod and sign up for just £1 a month. As a nine-year-old, was at Villa Park to watch Villa beat Wimbledon 7-1. I think we went one down after about 30 seconds. And that's when Tommy Johnson scored a hat-trick. Actually, good time to mention that we've actually got a podcast coming out with Tommy Johnson quite soon. But that's the that's the highest-scoring game I've been at, 7-1. And that, that, that at the time, as a nine-year-old, was absolutely ridiculous. But like you say, the velocity of the opponents that, that we've brushed to, to one side last night... And the fact that seven didn't flatter Villa at all. It could have been a lot more. If that game had been double figures last night, I really don't think Liverpool could have had too many complaints. And I, no. I know that people have come out and said, oh, well, Liverpool were bad. But you know what? That, the tactics that Liverpool 
deployed last night are the same tactics that won them the league last season, that, that high line. It's worked for them, but Villa just made a complete mockery of it, Greg. Yeah, it's it's amazing, really. I mean, you, I can't I can't slate and hammer Liverpool too much for their for their tactics and the way that that high line was completely ripped apart. Because, as you say, that's what's worked so well for them. Um, it, it just felt like. It just felt like it was one game too many for them. Do you know? I mean, I, I know they, they didn't have Alisson. I know they didn't have Sadio Mane. I know Jordan Henderson might have made a difference in the middle. Um, you know, all three of those were playing regularly last season when Liverpool were, were winning every game. So, um, you know, obviously it's 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 a large chunk of, of the team and that he's going to make a difference. But there's a Liverpool way now. There's there's a way that Liverpool play. And, and Jurgen Klopp said it after the... Um, after the game, it did, didn't matter who which players comes in to re- to replace the players that are missing because they're all expected to know how to play the Liverpool way sort of thing. Now, you know, I mean, you can go through every individual, can't you? Virgil Van Dijk just looked like a you know an, an average Premier League player. Joe Gomez had a, had a really difficult night and was taken off after sixty minutes. But th- these are two defenders who have done fantastically well for Liverpool over the last couple of seasons. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, look, you know, it was it was it was a, a Dean Smith masterstroke, wasn't it? He he'd been working on it in training. It's not as if it, you know, that Villa just went there and fluked it and thought, right, we'll give this a go. It's something that they had been specifically working on um, in in the days leading up to the game. You know, that the, the the match report type piece that I wrote um, on the Athletic explained all the details of of how Villa prepared for the game and how they pulled it off and 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 um, you know what happened after. Um, so you know the full details are there, but it just felt like with Ross Barkley in in that midfield as the additional attack minded midfielder, somebody who can carry the ball out from defence and and quickly turn defence into attack, um, really played a big part and really made a difference and. And and then obviously Ollie Watkins as well. You know his unselfish running was incredible, and the fact that the fact that he chases down everything and goes into the channels and opens up so much space for others um, is really working. He's really uh, you know, Villa are really reaping the rewards of it. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed your piece today. I mean, I must have watched the highlights and all the footage and interviews and stuff around the game about 75 times today. But I really enjoyed your piece as like a companion to all of that. It was really nice to read some of the behind the scenes stuff and and what's been going on through the week. But I've obviously been going to Villa a really long time. You've been going a long time as well, covering them. But I've never seen Aston Villa execute a game plan so perfectly. I mean, it's rare that any team will execute a game plan as well as that. I mean... They've they've unpicked what they what they wanted to do and what they a way that they thought they could hurt Liverpool, and it's just they've just gone out the pitch and done it perfectly, Greg. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it, it is a freak result. It is a freak game, you know, as as most most of the pundits and commentators were saying. You know, it, it is that isn't going to happen every week. Aston Villa aren't going to um, pick opponents away like uh, apart like that every single week because it, it's just impossible. It doesn't work. Um, but they just got everything right on the night and and you can't take anything away from them. You know, they were sensational. Every single player was brilliant. You know, that there was there was nothing wrong with any single player. You know, you just you go through the whole team from from Emmy Martinez to Ollie Watkins and every single player knew exactly what they had to do and uh, and executed it perfectly. I mean, you know, just just very briefly, Matty Cash was was sensational. I thought oh, he was, the, un, he was the, good, un, yeah. the unsung hero in in the team. You know, he 
He stopped Robertson and Diego Yotta going forward on almost every occasion. Konza and Mings were just solid. They got back to basics, didn't mess about with the ball, got rid of it when they needed to. Um, target, okay, there was maybe that one slight error for the goal where he... Um, um, but, but apart from that, you know, he played he played a real big part in the whole performance. John McGinn, you know, it was just a performance that because there were so many other brilliant performances, John McGinn's exceptional performance was just totally forgotten about. And I mean, if you if you actually watched back his performance, that's probably one of the best games he's ever played for Villa. And it got lost in all the other performances because of how well Barkley, Trezeguet, Watkins, Grealish played. I mean, it's just for every for every single player to to be able to turn it on on one given night, you know, is incredible. I'm running out of words to describe the performance. Yeah, and a special shout out to the deflection gods as well, because I, t- I don't feel like we ever <laughs> yeah. scored deflected goals. And then last night, I think I think we got three. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Just one of them nights where Villa did everything well, but everything went for them as well. Every- everything came off that they tried. Like you say, we could go through the whole team and pick people out, but I think we'll probably just leave it at, p- at picking three players out. So the first player I want to talk about, the-, the debut man, Ross Barkley. Now... Being honest, I thought it was very harsh on Harahan to, to come out the side off the back of a goal and an assist. Really, really harsh. And I think a lot of Villa fans on social media did as well. But Dean Smith justified the selection beforehand. He said he wanted Ross Barkley's physicality in and you need specific players for specific games. And other than Dion, Dublin, Dion Dublin's debut against Spurs, I can't remember many more accomplished debuts than that from Ross Barkley for, for a Villa debut. I thought it was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, brilliant. And, you know, he, he will probably be a little bit disappointed with it in, in terms of he should have had a hat-trick himself, really, shouldn't he? I mean, you know, yeah, that's, not going, that's not going over the top. He should have scored a hat-trick, um, which sounds crazy as well. But, you know, he had really good chances in the first half. He cut a little bit of a frustrated figure, I thought, at half-time. Even though Villa were winning, I felt that it looked as though he wasn't entirely satisfied with the way he was playing. But the actual job that he was doing for a team, for the team was sensational because he was collecting the ball in defence and quickly turning defence into attack by carrying the ball out from midfield very you know quickly like Grealish does. Yeah. Um, and with all due respect to Harran, he, he doesn't always do that. That's not his part. That's not the part of his game, is it? You know, he's better at other things. So Barkley did that differently to Harahan and and it worked on the night. Um, and and Smith changed the system, didn't he? Slightly he played yeah. Barkley more as a you know a second striker almost, you know number ten, and um, and then just dropped McGinn and back back alongside Louise, and and that worked as well because the two of them were ratting around in the middle, um, and then it was down to Barkley or uh, Grealish to carry the ball out, and and it worked perfectly. Yeah, I mean, how much of a difference does it make to Jack Grealish? just having someone else in that midfield that, that can carry the ball and that teams are, are afraid of. It completely freed him up down that left-hand side and he's playing against one of the best right-backs in the world. I know there's questions asked of his defending sometimes, but he absolutely tormented Trent down Villa's left-hand side. And for me, Jack, I know Watkins has scored a hat-trick. Barkley's had an unbelievable debut, but I've got to say for me, I thought Jack was absolutely out of this world last night. And for me, he's the best player in the Premier League at the moment going forwards. I think he's absolutely unbelievable and I can't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, yeah look, he's, he's, he's getting better and better, it seems, doesn't he? It? It's like, yeah. it, incredibly, leading up to the game as well, he was suffering with a hamstring problem. Yeah, and I can't it, believe that. There was, there was a chance of him, you know, not playing. He had to ice his, he had to ice his hamstring for throughout the whole of Saturday. Um, 
And to think that he's gone and turned it on on, on Sunday like that, you know, something else. To, to, to be involved in five goals, to, to set up three and score two against the best team probably in the world, um, you know, just shows what level he's at. And yeah, I really, really do hope to see him starting for England in one of these three games that are coming Got up now to. because he, he needs to... Um, and we know Sancho's out now, so whether that makes it you know difference or not, we'll see. But Sterling uh, as well, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, look, this could, this could be his time. He's, he's he's in the best form of his life, um, scoring goals for fun, setting them up. Um, there, you know, there was a little clip that was doing the rounds on Twitter where he was uh, tormenting Van Dijk, wasn't he, with his quick feet, yeah. put put it through his legs and set up Bartley who missed. But um, you know, everybody at Villa loves playing with Jack Grealish, but the po- the real important point that you said there is that Villa have strengthened the team around him now. So all the focus last year was on Grealish, wasn't it? It was him carrying the ball from midfield. And then if, if he didn't really do something, the rest of the team couldn't really do it. But now there's more players that are able to do it. And that is just simply going to free up Grealish to, to, um, to punish opponents even more. Yeah, and already the, the goals have just been spread around the side. There's so many different goal scorers already. McGinn's got a couple. Jack's got three, hasn't he? At the moment, Watkins is now off the mark with three. Uh, I can't remember. I've said the two centre-backs that have both scored. Yeah. Connor and McGinn have, have scored. There's danger all around. I mean, I think Trezeguet was unlucky not to get get something last night as well because I thought he worked really, really hard and he's, he's pressing actually really hurt Liverpool. But do you know what? There's now threats in that first 11 all, all over the park and... It's just, it's just a joy to watch and watching it come together last night. I mean, people don't do that kind of thing to Virgil van Dijk, what Jack did. That simply since van Dijk made his £75 million move from Southampton. That kind of thing hasn't happened to Virgil van Dijk. And I thought Watkins made him look bang average on the night. I thought van Dijk really, really struggled with Ollie Watkins, Greg. Yeah, I, look, I think collectively Liverpool struggled. I think, you know, we, we, we can't go down the line of, um, of saying van Dijk, uh, you know, saying that... Van Dijk's a struggling defender. I just think I think he had enough. No, no, no. I think we you know we'll see we'll see in in times ahead. You know his quality, but yeah, the yeah, yeah. the the real the real plus point is is that is is what what Watkins did to him. Yeah, as you said, you know he he made him look average. He was very quiet as well during the game, and um, you know Van Dijk is known for his leadership his leadership qualities. He's very very vocal on the pitch, but I noticed especially towards the second half he was quiet, and it was almost as if like the Liverpool players had just give up when it got to four, when it got to five. I mean, um, I know most teams would, but Liverpool do still have the quality to get back into that game when it was five two. So you know, I was just a little bit surprised that, that, that their heads dropped so easily, really, especially with them being the champions. But yeah, look, you know, you've got to give Watkins so much credit because we discussed in the last pod didn't we that he had a bit of an off day in front of goal at at Fulham but we also highlighted his qualities and what he did to help support the team the fact that he won every single aerial battle the fact that he created space for others with his unselfish running and again it was the same and there was a there was a little moment it was a it was early in the second half and I just felt like the pressure was starting to build a little bit from Liverpool. I felt like they were just starting to get a little bit comfortable. They got the second goal and Villa just needed somebody to take the sting out of the game. And and, and it was just a ball that was into Watkins with his back to goal um, around about the halfway line. And Van Dijk had come quite close into him. Now, in most other scenarios, Van Dijk's going to win that challenge. He's going to come out on top. But Watkins just sort of backed into him, held it up laid it off and won a throw in and, and it just took the pressure off straight away and I just thought that's just another prime example of of the of the exceptional job that you're doing for the team and 
Um, I, I just find him a breath of fresh air. You know, I, I've seen his interviews after after scoring, and he just he just comes across as a really likable lad, somebody who's just genuinely happy to be playing in the Premier League, scoring goals. And and you know, he, he was right with what he said that he should have had five yesterday, and he, and he backs himself to to get those chances. The fact that he hit the crossbar from quite close range and missed the one on one, he'll actually be disappointed with that rather than just satisfied with his hat trick. Yeah, I mean, there's some good news from the fantasy football point of view that he was in my team, so that was a that's an excellent oh, little fantasy shout. football update for you. Unfortunately, my dad had Jack and Watkins there, so he's absolutely killed it this week. Talking to my dad, actually, that that game was just obviously so incredible. My dad's been going long, longer than me. He's, he's 69 years old. He's, he's seen a lot of Aston Villa over the years, and he was talking about last night being one of the most incredible things he's ever seen, and he's been around the block. He's, he's seen the European Cup finally. He talked about another game when Villa when Villa beat Liverpool in 76, possibly, I, I think it was, and it was 5-1, and he can remember looking at Emily Hughes' face and just the, the shock on him. I don't think we'll ever see a game like that ever again, Greg. That kind of thing just won't ever happen again, will it? That's a one-off. That's the kind of thing back in the day. You'd see a video, videotape come out. They'd release that on video. <laughs> you calling for that, though? Well, maybe not video. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi guys, David Ornstein here. If you've not seen it yet, I've launched a new weekly YouTube show, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our subscribers to The Athletic. Submit your questions via the discussion pages on the Athletic app and I'll answer my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel and a new episode will be up every week. I know it's only one game, it's the third game of the season, we've achieved absolutely nothing thus far. But just that is such a statement and it is such a one-off and something that Villa fans will probably never see again in their lifetime. You can't expect to ever see a type a performance like that again, can you? I mean, we all talked about Leicester's um, Leicester's title winning season. That was probably the most shocked I've been um, at football probably since since last night. You know, I can't think of top head. You know, okay, this is, that was only one result, and Leicester's title winning season obviously is much better than what what Villa have done by beating Liverpool in one game. But if we're just picking out individual results, you know, on, on shock shock results and shock games, I mean, I, I can't think of anything more incredible than that. You know, I just can't. The, 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 it was just the whole, the manner of it, you know, Liverpool were unbeaten, the champions, um, as I've already said, probably the best team in the world and Villa just made a mockery out of them. Talking of Leicester, now I'm not saying for one minute we're going to go on and do it, do a Leicester, but it does have that vibe at the moment, you know, staying up by the skin of your teeth and then starting the next season like an absolute house on fire. And there is certain things about the way Villa are playing that are reminiscent of, of that Leicester side at the, at the moment. 
how much of a factor is Craig Shakespeare in all of this? I've, I've seen a few Villa fans asking about it and, and, and talking about it. What, has he bought anything in particular that you know about? I know I did ask you this a few weeks ago, but have you done your research? Have you, have you got yeah, do you know what, Dan? Up? I probably should have done that, but should not. But as it's transfer window, it's been very busy. So I still haven't quite found out about what he's doing. But I can promise you next week I'll tell you some more information. How's that for you? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure the Villa fans listening will be, will be pleased to hear that. Let's just touch on to transfers quickly because as, as we're doing this podcast now, there's a few hours left of deadline day we're not expecting that Villa are going to do anything they haven't done anything so far it looks like we're done if we're not you can blame Greg Evans is reporting but Greg what if you made a Villa's window overall because I, I I know it's so picky and it sounds so pedantic to be talking about it, but I still do think we're, we're a striker short at the, at the very least but regardless of that for me it's been a 10 out of 10 window I think it's been a great window, yeah, first and foremost. Um, I wrote uh, during the pre-season period that Dean Smith was looking for five players to integrate into his squad, five players that he could um, put into his first team, you know, as improvements from last season. And and I think they've got that, to be fair, haven't they? You know, Martinez is a great signing. He's seen the importance of having a good goalkeeper last night with Adrian making his error so early on in the game. If he doesn't make that, do, do Villa go on and win 7-2? Probably not. And it just reminded me a little bit of, of Villa in previous years where goalkeepers have, have cost Villa dear, you know, cost them a lot of points uh, with errors. So Martinez looks like a real safe pair of hands. He made a couple of decent saves as well. I think that's probably the best bit of business they've done because to get a, to get a goalkeeper in his prime at 28 years old um, from, from Arsenal... Who and you know, and he was playing as their number one last season. Unfortunately, for cl- for clubs like Villa, or at least how Villa were were perceived at the start of this season, you just you did those players don't become available very often. It's very very rare that you get them. So a, a great signing. The two players that came from the Championship, Matt Cash and Ollie Watkins, those are they were not ridiculed, but they were you know Villa were sort of. Villa were laughed at a little bit, weren't they? Saying, oh, you know, yeah. Villa have got these big plans. They've got two ambitious owners, um, co-owners, and they're still buying players from the Championship. Well, you know, the two of them look like very solid Premier League players to me already. So I think I think the two of those are excellent acquisitions. Matty Cash has come in and just settled in nicely. Um Improved the right side of defence. Really, really impressed with his defending, actually. I, I expected him to be a player that would show more going forward and you know I wasn't I wasn't fully aware of how good he was defensively but he's come up against some really really good players already and kept them quiet and yeah Ollie Watkins we obviously spoke about him Ross Barkley as well um and then almost I suppose the wild card is Bertrand Traore isn't it you know if what what he will do is he will add stern competition to Trezeguet and I think Trezeguet has taken his game on a level because he knows that there's a £19 million player sitting on the bench ready to come on if he doesn't perform so I look at Traore as a bit of a wild card one that sure he wasn't trapped for a long period. He wasn't somebody that Smith had his eye on for a long time. He was just a player that fit the profile of what they wanted. They wanted somebody who could play on that right side um, be versatile and play down the middle if if possible and bring additional pace to the team. So it was, it was you know, ticking a couple of boxes and he fit the criteria. So let's see what he can do as well. For me, it's it's 10 out of 10. I think if I'd have been offered those five players, had I known at the start of the transfer window, if they, you'd have said to me, this is what Villa are going to do, I'd have absolutely snapped your hand off for, for all those five coming in. And they've, the ones that we've seen so far have visibly improved the side and you can't argue with the, with the start that we've had at all. I do have slight worries 
about if Watkins was to get injured, Greg. That's something that, that concerns me. I think if we look back to a year ago, the start of the Premier League season, we went into that with Wesley, Codger and Keenan Davis. And we thought that was light and it, and it proved to be. Watkins is obviously an upgrade on, on, on any of them that we had last season so far by the start that he's had the ways enabling Villa to play. If he gets injured, that leaves us with just Keenan Davis, who is fairly injury prone himself, not prolific. Is it a slight concern to you that I feel like, in a, in a way, I know we've got better quality than last year in, this, in the strikers than we had this time last year, but in terms of numbers, it still feels very, very light. Are you worried? Um, I was. I was a little bit concerned before the Liverpool game. Now, I know that it's hard to... I know it's hard to judge on one performance and one result, and and obviously you need to think ahead. And and you know Villa are going to have difficulties ahead at some point. Of course they are. I just think there's there's two ways to look at it, isn't there? In an ideal world, Villa would have another attacking player, whether that be another wide player, another striker, another number ten, um, just another body to act as a to act as an attacker. But then also I can understand why they're not necessarily stockpiling players because you've got to look at it in, in from, from from the others from the other point of view. Wesley's going to be returning in what, December or January. Um he was previously the record signing, you know, a lot a big a big outlay, twenty two million pound. So when he comes back, what would happen, for example, to the player that Villa were maybe thinking of buying in as a striker to act as backup to Watkins and Davis if they was injured. Now, Villa went down the line of buying Samata previously when um, they effectively just needed a body, didn't they? Somebody to get them through the season um, because the likes of Giroud, Slimana, uh, Batshuayi all rejected Villa and weren't interested in coming. So at that time, Samata was, on, was the only player really available for the money. Um I, I just don't see. I don't see the benefit of Villa going and spending ten, fifteen million pound on a player who's going to be back up, and then when Wesley comes, he's going to be behind him. So I can I can understand it in a way. I think that now they've got Barkley in there, he could actually be used as another striker if if it becomes as a, you know an emergency. I, I don't see necessarily being an issue if. For example, Villa lose Watkins and Davis, which, you know, he's going to be very, very unlucky if that happens, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't see it being a problem having a forward line of Grealish, Barkley, Trezeguet, for example. Smith's name, Czech Traore, hasn't he, as well as someone who can play at front. Yeah. I think if you look you look at his record, actually, at Leon, when he started or he's ended a game as, as a centre-forward, an orthodox centre-forward, his scoring record's actually pretty good. Yeah, and, and Ajax, you know, he, play, he played for played for Vitesse and Ajax down the middle and, and scored lots of goals, you know, in, in the uh, in the Dutch league. And obviously, you know, Ajax got to the Europa League final and lost to Man United that year and, and he was playing yeah. as their centre-forward then. So, Traore can do it. He, he, he can play there. It's just the, the last season he was more of a right winger and that's what maybe why people are remembering him for that I mean I've talked myself around and you've you've talked me around a little bit in, in that little discussion but I think I've just still got the I'm haunted by the, the striker situation when Villa were just going into games at the bottom of the table without a striker it, it was a worrying time and I don't want to go through that again where I feel feel like we're short but I guess the proof will be in the pudding we'll see Wesley would certainly be a welcome addition to the squad if, if he was fit if he could get fit again but I think you know that's, that's a long way off at the moment and you don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in when he comes back so being picky I'd like to have seen another centre forward but like you say I can understand they don't want to panic they don't want to do something for the sake of it I get it and the window's been an outright success anyway This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes 
and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just to finish, what 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 you got coming up for? Has you got anything you can you can tease us about, Greg? Um I've got a little bit of time off actually, Dan. So it's been oh, a very it's been quite again. busy, yeah. Um but I've got a little surprise up my sleeve. I can't say too much on it now. But uh, hopefully by the end of the week, it'll be all written up and ready to go. Yeah. So keep an eye on that one. I mean, I know what it is, but I obviously am not allowed to say anything <laughs> anything either. But if it's as good as the stuff you've told me, I think it'll probably be your best piece yet. So yeah, watch out for that Villa fans because that promises to be a really good piece from Greg later on in the week. Hopefully uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Greg, I think that that, that does us. Excellent podcast. Well, not. I mean, that's a bit arrogant to say that, but you know what I mean? It, excellent to talk about a 7-2 victory against the champions. That, that's what I'm getting at and unpick the transfer window as well. Podcasts are becoming a real joy at the moment. They were the, the bane of my life towards the towards the uh, start of lockdown last season when we were doing them every week and it, we were just losing and we felt like we were saying the same things. But now it's nice to come on every week and be positive and uh, enjoy your time off and I look forward to the next one. Yeah, cheers, Danny. It was amazing, isn't it, how it turns around because... You know, I was dreading thinking of um, um, talking about Villa during the back end of last season because nothing was going right. But amazing, isn't it? Just a couple of months and everything's changed. And look, you know, it's been a decade of despair, hasn't it? I remember writing that piece on um, 10 years since Martin O'Neill left and the whole article, I think it was about 4,000 words. It was it was all written with a negative slant, really. And yeah. um, amazing, really, how, how much has changed in just a couple of couple of months so long may it continue yeah I mean I'm way more used to being miserable about Villa so this is a this is a real pleasant change and as I say when we come back as well the more games hopefully more wins for Villa and yeah thanks to everyone for joining us as well I had a few people actually asking where the podcast was so that's always a good sign as well when people want to know when the podcast coming out that shows that things are going really well so thanks for tuning in and reading Greg's stuff as well it's been a great few weeks for Villa long may it continue